You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. The tech sector being not just one of the greatest creators of wealth, but one of the greatest creators of wealth for the 1%. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. There's already positive change that's going on uh, within organized sports. We're reducing this chance of second injuries. There is no 100% secure website. There is no 100% security for your system. This is KCBS In-Depth. It was a big week for one of San Francisco's busiest streets. This past Wednesday, much of Market Street, a thoroughfare cutting right through the heart of the city's downtown, made the switch from car-friendly to car-free with a ban on all private car traffic. I'm Keith Manconi. This is KCBS In-Depth, and today in the program, we're going to take a look at how this car-free conversion went on its first day and where the broader movement for walkable, bikeable cities might be headed next. The future is not sitting, having everyone sit in their cars in traffic every day. It's just not. First up, well, city leaders are certainly striking a celebratory tone. They held a ribbon-cutting ceremony to mark the occasion. Then, once the day was over, they declared a big old mission accomplished. It was a remarkable success. San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency Executive Director Jeffrey Tumlin. Our parking control officers, bus operators were happy and eagerly engaging with the public. The response on social media was overwhelmingly positive. In fact, Market Street was the top trending topic statewide on Twitter. And I think we've moved more people up and down Market Street than we have in many years. So a glowing review there. But at KCBS, we don't need to take the official word for it. That's because we carried out our own independent assessment of sorts. That's right. For just about all of the daylight hours of this past Wednesday, my colleagues were broadcasting live on location from the One Kearney Club overlooking Market Street and also roving the street itself. So it's fair to say we learned a lot along the way. And I thought we'd bring some of the people who covered it together to share what they got. That would be KCBS anchor Stan Bunger, who was in studio. Welcome, Stan. Thank you, Keith. And that would also be KCBS reporter Holly Kwan, who was roving the streets, as we mentioned, in the morning, talking to pedestrians and motorists. Welcome to you, Holly, as well. Always good to talk to you. All right, so Stan, let's start with you. You had the bird's eye view for much of the morning hours of the day. What were you seeing from up there? Yeah, so we were parked in the 11th floor of a building at the corner. It's a complicated corner. It's where Kearney and Geary, and Market, and Montgomery, and New Montgomery, all sort of come together. Lotus Fountain is mm-hmm. the San Francisco landmark that everyone would know. And from that location, we could look eastbound along Market Street toward the ferry building. And if you really did some contortions and went up to the rooftop garden, you could look the other way uh, to the west of Market Street into that swath of Market Street that, as of that morning, was no longer legal ground for the private automobile. And we saw, of course, a few private cars sneak in. What we also saw was the reality of a market street that will be a transit pedestrian and bicycling corridor, part of something San Francisco is calling Better Market Street. But it's important to remember that what we saw that day was just sort of the headline grabbing, let's have a a live broadcast all day on KCBS sort of event that is eventually, after the spending of hundreds of millions of dollars and years of work, supposed to transform Market Street into something world-class. And I think anybody who spends five minutes on Market Street today would 
Agree. It's not world-class now. In fact, it's kind of filthy and run down. And some of us are just old enough to remember the Market Street uh, before the BART construction project of the mm-hmm. 60s and 70s. And it was indeed. And Keith, you've seen these yourself, the, the film clips and the mm-hmm. stills of a vibrant, busy center of a city street that has streetcars and cars and people and folks wearing hats and busy businesses and movie theaters and there isn't much of that now. There are people scurrying out of the BART uh, system mm-hmm. to get somewhere and scurrying back yeah. in, and kind of a complicated mess. Yeah. So the Champs-Élysées Market Street, that is the, <laughs> that's the grand vision that we're going for here. And interestingly enough, the city of Los Angeles, the same week, mm-hmm. dusted off and unveiled the plans, a 90-page document for a sort of a Champs-Élysées look on Hollywood Boulevard, another rather grotty stretch of roadway in California yeah. that is dominated by the automobile. Well, it's kind of a, a bit of a movement that's taking place right now, trying to make cities more pedestrian-friendly, and we're going to hear more about that later in the show. want to make sure that we get the basic basics first, though, before we dig too much deeper into what happened on Wednesday. want to make listeners understand, so when we talk about the car-free Market Street, what we're talking about is no private cars. Commercial cars still allowed, and you can still cross Market Street, right, Stan? That's true. Market Street itself, between the, the ferry building, let's just say to make it easy, and 10th Street, well, well across, or away from the bay, is a, is legal now for transit vehicles, for taxi cabs, and for commercial vehicles. You can bring a truckload of goods in and deliver it to a business. Clearly not legal on market anymore would be you and me driving our individual car, or, this is important, a ride-hail driver working for Uber or Lyft. Not okay. Mm. All right, so let's get a little bit more of the ground-eye view. Holly Kwan, you were out on the streets. What were you seeing down there? A little bit of confusion? I'd say quite a bit of confusion, probably, because early that morning, uh, they still hadn't fixed the signage. Uh, there were some places. The signs you, weren't ready. Well, there were some signs that weren't covered up yet. There okay. was uh, the Battery Street Bridge, where at the very end of Battery, where there was this little hump where you could go over and, and get onto Market Street. Previously, you would think that would be blocked off, and mm. early in the morning that wasn't blocked off. I think they fixed it later on, yeah. but there wasn't anybody there to tell you you can't drive this way. Mm. Um, later on, they had plenty of traffic control officers that were at, say, you know, Fremont and Market where I was, and they were blowing their whistles when people were trying to turn right or or turn left. They were trying to keep them on the straight and crossing market and people didn't know that they weren't supposed to and actually on the subsequent days yesterday and and even you know today I was actually driving in trying to see if people realized yet that they weren't allowed to do that and I saw people who were in like their private pickup trucks driving uh, you know turning left onto Market Street even on streets like Maine so there's definitely still quite a bit of a learning curve that people are going to need before this you, you don't need quite the police presence that we saw there on Wednesday right what were you hearing from the folks that you talk to, how are people taking this change? I think that if you drive a delivery truck in downtown San Francisco, you already are very zen because you sort of have to <laughs> be have that to be, way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they said, well, this is just another you know problem for us to have to deal with. They'll have to park on the side streets. They'll have to dolly their things. Because they're not allowed you know, to park yeah. on Market Street anymore. Right, exactly. I mean, because there are some commercial, I don't know, for lack of a term, better term, commercial vehicles that don't have the plates that you need mm-hmm. to be on Market. So, you know, I talked to a guy who was um, driving a debris truck and he was his job was to collect everything that was... Um, being uh, demoed in an office that might be undergoing some renovations. Mm. And that had to be like, you know, brought in a big truck or, or a hand truck and brought in around the corner from some of these offices. So he has to park on a side street and wait for all of that stuff. You know, people who were actually riding down on their scooters and riding down on their bikes, 
they were fi- finding it to be you know very smooth and they even felt like maybe the the green lights they had green lights more often um, than they were used to so I think that they still have to you know we'll see how that how that goes but mm. early on people were saying boy I, I do feel actually a little bit um, safer and mm-hmm. just standing on the corner I felt like without all that ancillary traffic you could yeah. see better the visibility was better you could see the big buses coming you could see the big trucks coming um you could see the taxis and so maybe it was easier to get out of their way mm-hmm. if you weren't supposed to be you know in there I also though saw people running across the red mm-hmm. and they when they looked on market and they saw that it was clear they would just they would just cross oh okay so Skirting of the rules a little bit right there. Now, when you're talking about clearer streets, that brings to mind another one of the major goals here, Stan, which is making Market Street a safer place, because it has been a very dangerous place for pedestrians for a long, long time. Officials say that of the 10 most dangerous intersections in San Francisco for fatalities and serious injuries involving pedestrians or cyclists, half of them are within this portion of Market Street that's now officially car-free. And so they would argue all the way along that this will make things safer just by taking something out of the mix, and that's the private automobile. And so from your bird's-eye view up there, was it? did it look like a safer street? Did it look like a place that cyclists could get around? It looked like a street that I, as a cyclist, would still avoid. Really? For, for a lot of reasons. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a chaotic environment. It yeah. has streetcar tracks down the middle. As Holly pointed out, You'll still have delivery trucks that have access to these little parking pockets, and they need to get into those or back out, back in or, or get out. You still have, and I counted at one point, stacked up at one intersection, nine transit vehicles in a row, streetcars and buses. And you have a lot of other cyclists, and you have people on scooters, and you have pedestrians who jaywalk at will, and you have the mentally ill who will step into the street against a light and wander across. So it's still not nirvana. It's not a not nirvana. High cycling path with primroses on each side. Yeah. And so for the faint of heart, probably not a great place to be. For the experienced urban cyclist, maybe a little better than it was the day before. How much, in your view, do you expect the further improvements that we're expecting on Market Street to address some of those concerns? Are we going to see, uh, we're, we're going to see broader areas for people to uh, navigate around. Uh, is, is that going to help some of those concerns? Well, again, you have to sort of think of this as what's it going to become. Mm-hmm. And the vision for the future is not at all what we have out there right now. The future will have cyclists on the same level as pedestrians. In other words, they won't be inside the curb as they are now. They'll be on the same elevation as where the sidewalks are, separated from the pedestrian sidewalks, in theory, by planters and trees and markings of some kind. Um, Will that work? It'll work if everybody follows the rules. But right now, just take a walk down the Embarcadero Promenade in Mm -hmm. San Francisco, where scooters are not allowed, yet they're everywhere, Mm -hmm. where cyclists ride too fast, despite all the marks everywhere saying it's a shared environment, where people walking often have their earbuds in and don't hear a gentle call from behind to look out for them. And that's just human behavior. That's not bad urban planning. Mm. That's people who don't pay any attention to anybody else. And until everybody in San Francisco or everywhere else that we know acknowledges that we've gotten too crowded and too fast, Hmm. I'm a little dubious. Right. Well, it sounds like what you guys are speaking to is as much uh, as this is an issue of improving the facilities and the infrastructure itself, it's also a little bit of an issue of changing the car culture of the city as well. Well, that's obviously the ultimate goal here, is the de-autoization of a major street in a major city as uh, camel's nose under the tent flap toward doing much more of this in many more places. 
And already the officials at the SFMTA are talking about Valencia Street. Mm -hmm. There's a discussion of Golden Gate Park's John F. Kennedy Drive. And there will be more. There will be more attempts to squeeze the car out of the picture. But it does beg the question. And again, as a cyclist myself, I I have to trot that out every time to remind people I have some credentials here. I wonder if people are going to suddenly go get a bicycle and start riding a bike if it gets harder to drive, or if they're simply going to spend more time being more angry while they drive. A lot of complicated questions that uh, we are going to have to wait a while to find the answers to. It was obviously just one day. We're now just a few more days into this changeover. I guess uh, the headline here is, on Wednesday, Market Street got a car-free conversion we're going to have to wait a little bit longer to see whether or not that took. We have been speaking today so far to KCBS anchor Stan Bunger. Thank you, Stan. You're welcome. And also to KCBS reporter Holly Kwan. Thank you as well, Holly. Always good to be here. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth, a weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Manconi. Today, San Francisco took a big leap into a car-free future this past week with the introduction of new rules banning private car traffic on much of Market Street. But as we've been discussing, San Francisco isn't the only city pursuing car clampdowns. The pro-pedestrian movement has spread to cities around the world, and many of those cities are actually right here in the Bay Area, outside of San Francisco. So we're going to spend the second half of the program taking a closer look at that movement, what it's trying to accomplish, why it's happening now, and where it is heading next. For that, we're joined now by Karen Philbrick. She is the executive director of the Mineta Transportation Institute at San Jose State University. Karen Philbrick, thanks for being on KCBS In-Depth. A pleasure. Thank you. Also joined by Marta Lindsay. She is the communications director for Walk San Francisco, which advocates for pedestrians in San Francisco and also supported Market Street's changeover this past week. Uh, Marta, thanks for being here as well. Glad to be here. So let's start with you, Marta. You were telling me before we turn these microphones on that this has been a a week for celebration for you folks. It really has. This has been a long time coming and... Uh, it couldn't get here soon enough. <laughs> uh, so this this was a big moment for everyone who's been involved in trying to make history and change Market Street for everybody. And I think it was also interesting, you know, how do pedestrian advocates celebrate something? You told me that there was a big walk yesterday. Of course, but we're pedestrians. We're going to walk. <laughs> we walked the whole stretch from Van Ness all the way to the Ferry Building. We had some party hats and um, some noisemakers. This really... It's a moment for the street, and it's also a moment for the direction that we really hope San Francisco goes with thinking about uh, putting people first on our streets. Mm. All right, so we're going to get to where this might go next, but I want to take just a quick second to, I suppose, reflect upon how we got where we are right now, because many of the folks that we spoke to this past Wednesday as we were interviewing all the experts and trying to get a better handle on what this all means, a lot of them were pointing out that the roots of the pro-pedestrian movement. It goes back quite a ways in San Francisco. We can see people beginning to discuss the idea of car-free Market Street back in the 1960s. And then if you go all the way back to the even the 1890s, even back in the 19th century, people were already starting to begin to advocate for pedestrian rights and cycling rights. So this is a, a long and storied history in San Francisco. Uh, continuing uh, with you, Marta Lindsay, for one second, why, in your view, is this all bubbling over now? 
It's a great question because I, I do think, yeah, for so long it's felt like, why isn't Market Street this grand boulevard that it should be in a big, big city that's so vibrant and has so many pedestrians? Um, what what tipped us over the edge? And I do think a part of that was just Market Street wasn't working anymore for anybody. Um, I mean, the safety issue is significant, especially for pedestrians, but um with the growing city, with so many more people coming into this city, Market Street was just a mess. <laughs> you, I mean, nobody wants to be on it anyway, whether you're driving a car um, or not. Uh, so I think it just became obvious that what used to feel like maybe a crazy idea to some, it would be crazy not to do now, given where our city is at. Mm. And Karen Philbrick, similar question to you. So I, I think that it's not just the average pedestrians or even the pedestrian advocates that have been moving in this direction recently. I think if uh, you pay any attention to urban planning and the transportation planning world, a lot of folks in that world have been talking a lot more about making cities more pedestrian friendly in recent years. You are absolutely correct, Keith. Thank you very much for noting that. In fact, in areas where we see car-free development, we also see metropolitan planning organizations that make mixed-use development and alternative forms of transportation a priority. To date, barriers have really been development patterns. It just hasn't made this possible. But with this new change, with the Better Market Street Project plan, it's going to be more livable, more vibrant, and safer for pedestrians and bicyclists. Not to mention the benefits of limiting pollution. This is a very exciting time. Hmm. So let's drill down into the broader philosophy behind all this. Uh, turning back to you, Marta Lindsay, with Walk San Francisco. So uh, I, I've spoken to folks from Walk San Francisco in the past, and uh, there's a lot of reasons why they bring up why we might want more walkable cities. Uh, run us through the list, if you could. I, I know that pedestrian deaths are pretty high on that list. Yeah, I mean, that's number one. And I think that's, you know, Market Street is has a... F- half a million people walking in every day and is one of our most dangerous streets in the whole city. It just, that to me is like a huge disconnect. Why would you not want a street that has all these people walking on it to be as safe as possible for those people? You know, and pedestrian fatality rates are going up across the entire country right now. So I, I do think that's why there should be soul searching happening everywhere about what are what are actions that can be taken. But of course, there's many more. When you've got... Um, walkable places people walk more (laughs) and they're healthier and the more people walking the less that are getting in their private vehicles that are emitting stuff i mean that's great for our air quality and all the climate goals that cities are talking about and then that really precious resource of foot traffic and how good that is for local businesses and i was just doing a little research before this call of how consistently these car free spaces do boost um local businesses so that's Uh, I think that can be a concern like, oh, but how are people going to get here? And when you're really creating that incredible pedestrian space, the people are there and they're going to spend their money. And uh, sticking with you, Marta Lindsay, what would be the, I suppose, grand vision? What does San Francisco look like if it really does carry out some of the measures that you guys have been discussing? I mean, there's there's other places that have been discussed as potential car free areas. We've heard about Valencia Street came up a lot this week. Tenderloin has been discussed. Uh, in the past as well. But what does the city look like if it really carries through these visions? Are we talking about a city with no cars whatsoever? No, but I th- I think everyone in San Francisco is feeling right now that there is a lot of cars and uh, the traffic is is hurting our city and literally and figuratively. Um, 
you know, in terms of the fatality rates and severe crashes, but also what it feels like to be in our city now with all this traffic. And yeah, the tenderloin that you just brought up. I mean, this is a part of the city where there are lots and lots of families and seniors and they are going out into the streets and you have tons of traffic moving through that's just cutting across the city, heading to highways and it's moving really fast. And that just doesn't feel appropriate for a neighborhood. So I think this is where the future I see in San Francisco, one of those things is our neighborhood streets should feel like a human can be out on them and not be scared. Um, so that doesn't necessarily mean no cars, but it may mean less cars. And I think a big part is the street design issues of getting the cars moving slowly and respectfully of the people. So it really feels like a shared space for everyone instead of just dominated by cars moving fast that's the goal, you know? Hmm. All right. We're going to dig into this a little bit more in just a second. First up, I want to remind our listeners that you are listening to KCBS In-Depth. I'm Keith Manconi. Today, we're taking a look at San Francisco Market Street's car-free conversion and what's next for pedestrian advocates. Joining us is Karen Philbrick, Executive Director of the Mineta Transportation Institute at San Jose State University. Also joined by Marta Lindsay, Communications Director for Walk San Francisco. So, Karen Philbrick, Tell us a little bit from the urban planning perspective, how do you decide what is a good place to have a car-free area and what is not necessarily a good place to have a car-free area? Are there some places that fit that model better than others? Yes, that's a great question. Areas that may not fit the car-free model quite as well would be more rural in nature. We find that car-free environments work best in a populated urban area really with a focus on mixed-use design. Earlier we talked about safety, and safety is such a critical element of making sure that people who walk, bike, scoot, and participate in active modes of transportation have separation from vehicles. This new project with Better Market Street can set a best-in-class example of doing just that. But we can look beyond that to other city examples for success. In fact, most recently, New York City turned 14th Street into a busway. It banned private through traffic between 6 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. between 3rd and 9th Avenues, and it's a huge, huge success. Now, by way of background, this was a major crosstown route for 21,000 vehicles a day. It effectively linked the east and west sides of Manhattan. What we've seen now is that reports show that the new busway not only met its goal of making bus travel faster to the tune of about 10 minutes for the entire route, but it had minimal impact on car trips. And surrounding streets saw trips increase by only about 3.5 minutes as most. So it's not particularly egregious for the driver either. So uh, Karen Philbrick, uh, again, uh looking at the examples that are around, we don't necessarily need to go quite as far as New York City. You can find less dramatic examples, but still real steps in the direction of pedestrian-friendly steps uh, here in the Bay Area, even uh, in San Jose. Absolutely. Paseos, pedestrian corridors, public plaza, and the like actually are are really flourishing. Here in San Jose, we saw segments of San Carlos Street 7th Street, and 9th Street closed off to cars two decades ago. Why is this important? Because these areas developed into Paseo San Carlos and 9th Street Plaza, and these areas have flourished and become points of gathering, not just for our student population, but for local businesses and families to come together. 
And we see that the economics also improve for the businesses located along those routes. Recently, San Jose's also implemented road diet and complete street improvements that essentially equate to protected bike lanes. These involve painting the bike lane bright green for improved visibility, um, instituting movable barriers that put distance between bike lanes and vehicle traffic. So we definitely have some best case scenarios from the past, some current work, and some vision for the future. Hmm. Now, an open question with all this, though, is how much are the pedestrians and the cyclists really going to use what is made for them? It's not necessarily make it and they will come. A couple of examples come to mind for me. I, I used to live in Taipei, actually, and that city had these walk-over pathways uh, where you could actually go walk up a flight of stairs, go over a street, and then walk back down. Nobody ever used them just because people don't really like walking upstairs when they're walking downtown. And so there was talk of actually tearing some of them down after they'd been up for a number of years. Another example that comes to mind is right now it's a very open question whether or not the Richmond-San Rafael Bridge, which just got the uh, the bike path, one of the lanes has been opened up to bikes. We're going to have to see. I mean, there was a lot of enthusiasm on opening day for that, but we're going to have to wait and see how long that enthusiasm lasts. Because to get across it, I mean, that is uh, bikers needing to go, you know, six, seven miles to get where they need to go if they're going to cross that bridge. So, Karen Philbrick, what kind of sense do we have of how much people are actually using these options? I think we have a tremendous sense that these can be quite successful. I mean, think about Market Street for a minute. An estimated 500,000 people every single day use that space. Uh, for people who bike and scoot, it's about 650 people per hour. They're already using that space, and we're going to see that increase when it becomes even safer. And I think we would be remiss if we didn't comment on the different generations that we have operating today, not only in the workplace, but wherever we engage in pleasurable activities as well. We've got our traditionalists all the way down to our Gen Zers, and each of those groups travel a bit differently. And so when I think about these new programs, I think about the need for education, public campaigns, think written, radio, television, social media, to get the word out and get the word out in a way that each individual can understand it. Mm, that's interesting. So are you saying that uh, young people tend to drive less, perhaps? Yes, that is absolutely correct. And the statistics reveal that. Well, let's stick with that notion of culture and how important culture is in informing the way that people get around the city. Uh, Marta Lindsay again with uh, Walk SF. So we were actually talking about that in the past segment, that it's it's all well and good to change the way that Market Street works. But you also kind of need to change the way that San Franciscans think about getting around town and change the car culture because, well, it's not just San Francisco. It's all of California. This is a car state, and people have thought of it that way for a very long time. How do you change something that's been around for so long? Yeah, it's a, it's an uphill battle, but it's, it's, a, it's one that we've got to win because it's the Bay Area is only getting more populated. It, it's... The future is not sitting, having everyone sit in their cars in traffic every day. It's just not. Um, there's so many reasons that's not working for us now already. And so I think if you imagine a future California, it's got to involve these solutions of like incredible public transportation systems and cities that are built in ways that people can do a lot of their trips on foot, on scooter, on bicycle, whatever um, their their mode is. But it's, it's not only going to get at all these other goals we have with um, climate and safety and just uh, 
what's possible in terms of human beings and space and all of that. But I think it goes to our human connections. You know, I, I am so excited about Market Street because yesterday when we were walking it, it was quieter because there were not all these vehicles on it. And what that quietness allows space to hear music and hear people and to I think if you go to Europe and you go to all of their wonderful car free spaces you see that people are hanging out and playing cards and children are in the streets and it's just like we're never going to stop craving that as human beings and the car does not bring us that so I think there's there's a lot of con connections between all these issues but I think there's a, a just a fundamental human thing about moving this direction with our streets. Very last question before I let you both go. So I'm wondering for your thoughts on how far you think these changes can go. And I want to start with Marta Lindsay before we turn it over to Karen. So the reason I'm asking this, so I, for one, I, I am a part of the problem here. I, for my job, I need to report in different parts of the Bay Area all the time. I need to uh, make it to the station, make it to the East Bay, make it to the South Bay. So I have no choice but to drive. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people listening to this program right now, probably in their car, thinking the same thing. They also really have no choice but to drive. So if we continue to make cities pedestrian and, and cyclist friendly at a certain point, uh, are, are, are we going to hit a, a difficult wall where there's just, you know, there's a certain segment of people that really can't get around being in a car. And, you know, there's there's just only so much only so far we can go in that direction. I mean, I think it goes to what we were talking about a little bit earlier is you've you've got to make the system efficient in all these different ways. Obviously, there's lots of people who need to drive, but we want to make the system better for them too. So the more people are getting out of their cars that maybe isn't that person who can't, that's good for that person, you know? Um, again, with the growing population, we can't work our way out of this with cars only as the solution. We need all of these ways. Um, and we need to think beyond San Francisco, too, of places that are, again, where more people every day can do more of their short trips on foot or these other ways. Again, it's not going to be everybody, but um, those are going to be better places for everyone to want to live. I mean, those are the most desirable places for the people who want to live throughout the Bay Area. Absolutely, Marta. I think a, a, a rising boat lifts, what is it? A rising tide lifts all boats. What we see, though, with this particular example is these really work best in areas of high pedestrian traffic, particularly those where the first and last mile of travel are dependent on walking, cycling, or personal transportation devices, and where there are multiple alternate routes for drivers. So, the utopia isn't likely one that's completely car-free. People will still be car-dependent in certain situations. But the better we make it in other areas, the better it is for the moving population as a whole. All right. Well, something to aspire to, and uh, perhaps this past week, a first step in that direction. We shall see. Once again, we have been speaking today to Karen Philbrick, Executive Director of the Mineta Transportation Institute. Karen, thank you again. Thank you, Keith. Speaking as well to Marta Lindsay, Communications Director for Walk San Francisco. Thank you as well, Marta. Thanks. This was great. Great conversation. Remember, you can find past editions of KCBS In-Depth online at kcbsradio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. For KCBS and In-Depth, I'm Keith Manconi. Thanks for listening. You've been 
listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS.